Welcome to Healthy Churches ABNWT, a resource created by and for PAOC Alberta and Northwest Territories pastors and ministry leaders. The focus is on leadership development and congregational health. The goal is to help you reach more people. Visit abnwt.com for more information. Thank you for joining us for the ABNWT Healthy Church Leaders Podcast. We spend time each month talking about healthy churches and healthy leadership principles. Our goal is to help you reach more people in your community. In the ABNWT region alone, we've seen over 700 salvations in our churches this year, and we're just halfway through the year. It's an exciting time, and it's because of leaders like you that we're seeing our churches embrace the mission of the church like never before. With me today is Dallas Bedell from Family Worship Center in Whitecourt, Alberta. Dallas, thanks for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. So talk to us a bit about the past year uh, since you've been one of the first churches into revitalization. Uh, just talk to us what's happened, what's happened since then. Give us some of the highlights. Well, I think uh, our church has definitely become much more healthy. I think uh, we've regained a sense of focus on reaching the lost, and that has started to show some wonderful results. So we have seen over 40 people come to Christ in the last year as a church. Praise God. uh, As a church of you know, an average attendance of 150, that's a pretty significant chunk of people. So we are extremely excited about that. And we have become much more focused on making sure that people feel welcome here, that we're tearing down barriers to coming into our church and finding a place to belong in our church and things like that. So I think we've just become much more focused on ultimately what Jesus has called us to do. Wow, that's awesome. I think for me personally, it's definitely been a real shift as well. Um, Going from kind of focusing on what do our people need in our church from me as a leader to what does our community need from us as a church And that focus has been extremely challenging, but very healthy for me. Wow. Well, so talk just a little bit more. What kinds of shifts have you had to make in your leadership to see some of these changes come about in this last year? Well, one of our staff members summarized it uh, this way the other day. We used to see Sunday morning as our time to gather as a church and find God and learn and grow and love each other. Now we see our Sunday morning gathering as God's gift to our community through us. Hmm. And so we, we do everything with our community in mind. So last fall we ran Alpha on Sunday mornings yeah. with our whole church for think seven or eight weeks, Mm -hmm. that was really good as far as helping our people understand the importance of inviting, the importance of communicating in a way that people can understand outside of our walls. Then we've done a number of sermon series that have been directly related to the average white court person. Hmm. And uh, our people have been good at inviting and so we've really started to embrace the journey to becoming a, an invitational church that, you know, reaches out beyond our, our four walls and tries to, to welcome our community in. 
What other things have had to shift in your leadership and your understanding? One of the things that I'm doing now that I I didn't do before is I always preach with the assumption that people that know nothing about the Bible are listening, hmm. whether they're sitting in our church or listening online. My assumption is that they have no knowledge whatsoever of the Bible, and so I try to use language that they would get, they would understand. And sometimes people, you know, that have been in church all their lives, their eyebrows eyebrows go up a little bit. They kind of, well, why are you saying it that way? But right. I would much rather have the non-church, non-Christian, non-religious person be able to understand me and have the the old-time Christian raise their eyebrows than the other way around. Absolutely, where absolutely. Where the unsaved person is kind of going, what on earth are you talking about? Yeah. So that has been a shift for us. We've also tried to have that filter down into all the people that are on the platform on a Sunday morning. So our worship leaders, people doing announcements, people you know doing all of that kind of stuff, our welcome team, trying to be very approachable and uh, you know using using ways of touching people's lives that they would get speaking of the welcome team that is another shift for me this past year i've become much more personally engaged with them every week i used to see that as you know an important part of our church but one that i was more at arm's length with and you know would encourage them every so often. Now, I meet with them every Sunday morning before church, and we we talk about the game plan for that Sunday morning. Wow. And I'm doing a bit of coaching and teaching with them every Sunday morning. I'm trying to give them stories, trying to help them see the bigger picture, trying to see how important they are in the whole process of what we're trying to do. And that has really um, revitalized that whole area of our church and I think personally and this is subjective of course that we have moved from a church that thinks they're friendly to a church that actually is starting to become friendly right so wow it, that's that's been big what about in your understanding of pastoral ministry your role how has that shifted for you well I, I'm also finding myself mentoring more than I used to. Mm. Uh, so I've chosen probably eight, maybe 10 young leaders or potential leaders yeah, that I'm yeah. personally meeting with on a regular basis now, either one-on-one -on -one or in a smaller group setting to raise up young leaders. Uh, I'm 53 years old and I'm looking at, you know, 10, 15 years from now, I'm not going to be a senior leader anymore in our church. Right. And so my mission for the last dozen or so years of my ministry here is specifically to raise up leaders that can follow in my footsteps, whether they are in our church or end up in another church. I want to leave a legacy in their lives. And so... I've become much more intentional and much more focused on raising up those leaders and not just raising them up to do churchy stuff, mm -hmm. but raising them up to impact our community wow. for Christ.
Man, that's great. One of the things that has become clear for me in the past year is that I have become codependent with my church. And I would venture to guess that I'm not alone as a mm. pastor that way, where, you know, I, I see myself as somewhat dependent on the church for my future and my well-being and... Uh, so they need to like me in order for this to work. And, uh, and so you end up kind of trying to please, trying to find the way forward where everybody can be happy. And I think I've, I was deeply challenged through the revitalization process and the reading that I've done as a, as recommended reading from that and the coaching that came as a result of that to rethink my role where I'm not really called to keep people happy, keep people feeling good about coming, but I am called to keep people growing. Wow. And that sometimes means making life a little bit uncomfortable, challenging people to look at themselves in the mirror in, uh, with a little more honesty. And quite frankly, uh, I've had to come to grips with my own insecurities about making people uncomfortable. My nature is such that I like to make people feel good about themselves, feel good about how they're doing, and yeah, so on and sure. so forth. A lot of us are. I think that's natural for yeah. a lot of pastors. But I think that if you look at the ministry of Jesus, he didn't make people feel comfortable. No, sir. There's a lot of times where he made people really angry. And if we're called to be like him, I think there's times where that is the only way forward. And we need to, you know, be like the proverbial um, eagle who starts ripping up the nest to get the young eagles to fly so they don't feel so comfortable in the nest any longer. And I think sometimes when we coddle people a little bit too much, the church starts to naturally become ingrown and comfortable, and we lose sight of where God has ultimately called us to go, which is to the lost. So how do you make that shift? How, like, obviously, that's not part of your natural inclination. So like, what is it that you're doing to help you continue to to lead strong, to lead in that way, even though you might not feel like you want to? So there's probably three things that I would say are key for me personally. One is I need to face my own insecurities. And so I find myself um, talking to to a spiritual director on a regular basis who challenges me, and then I find myself on my face before God saying, why am I so scared? Why, what, is this, what is it about this that makes me so afraid? And as I seek God's face about that, I feel like God begins to show me some of the things in my own inner world that are holding me back. Right, wow. And he begins to heal some of those things. So that's big. Yeah. The second thing that really helps me is having, having you as a coach and right. having the district involved in my life because I feel like we are better together. Yeah. I become a braver person, a braver leader when I have somebody saying, you have permission to do this. Yeah, we got your back. Exactly. Yeah. 
And so when, when you feel like you're not alone and you're not going to be hung out to dry if you make a mistake, yeah. you can do things more bra- bravely yeah. and with a, a greater sense of, of courage. Yeah. So, so that's the second thing that's big. The third thing is exposing myself to courageous leaders. You know, I'm listening to different people online than I was a year and a half ago or two years ago. People that are stepping out of their comfort zone, people that are thinking outside the box. Uh, I'm reading books by different people than I was before. And uh, I find that helps as well. When you're kind of surrounding yourself intellectually by people who are willing to, to be brave, it helps you be brave as well. So those would be three things I think would be really helpful for me. Wow, that's awesome. So tell us about uh, maybe a shift that's happened in how you view your community, those that you're trying to reach. Yeah, that was a big shift for me as well. Uh, you know, I, I had a bit of an us-them mentality that we've got the answer, you're lost and need the answer, to recognizing that these are actually good people all around us that are trying to do good things. They just don't have Jesus helping them do the things they're trying to do. That's why we call them lost. Exactly. (laughs) And, and, and basically I, my mentality shifted from more of a confrontational thing. Like you need to repent and get your act together and follow God to Look, I can see that you've got the right idea here, but I think I've got some things that might help you. And it's all actually coming from one person. His name is Jesus. And if you're willing to give him some of your time and focus, I think you could actually be far more successful in the endeavors you're trying to reach, like parenting your kids well, keeping your marriage together, balancing your work, home, life better. All of these things are good endeavors. They're just things that people struggle with in white court. And Jesus can help with that. Jesus actually wrote the book on that, so to speak. Go figure. Yeah. And so, so it, it changed my attitude from, from being more of an us-them to let me come alongside you here. We're on the same journey. We're headed in the same direction ultimately, but I've got some things that may be able to help you. Wow, that's amazing. So have you made a shift at all in just how you handle volunteers or or anything like that? How have you shifted in that way? Yeah, so I think one of the things that I'm realizing more and more actually as time goes on is that um, people want to have fun when they do stuff like nobody likes to do stuff just out of pure sense of obligation or moral sense of duty. Uh, There was a generation, you know, 50, hundred years ago where the sense of moral duty was the big driving thing. And all you need to do was give people a guilt trip and they would be there and they do it for you. That those times are long gone. People want to have fun and want to be involved in something that's meaningful. And so one of the big things that we have shifted or try, trying to shift in our, in our church culture is making sure that when people volunteer, they can see the bigger picture of what they are doing, 
uh, how it's contributing to the, the overall picture, and then that we show gratitude because everybody has more fun if they are, feel like they're being thanked right. and they're, you know, they're doing something that are, is appreciated. And then we try to create a sense of a party atmosphere about it as well. You know, so we, you know, we, we always try to have food. We try to have a sense of, you know, we're, we're celebrating as we go together. And that has been a, a significant shift for me because I come from a bit of a religious kind of legalistic background where guilt and shame just were... Just do it, because that's what you're supposed exactly to do. Exactly, yeah. was a big, big motivator. And and for me to be able to get past that and realize people don't think like I do that way and I need to be able to meet them where they're at has been a big thing. So Dallas, I mean, like, these are amazing changes that you've made just in the last 12 months, shifts in understanding, shifts in thinking, but, like, you're not new to ministry, right? You've been around for a while, like, what is that like for someone who's served so faithfully and seen growth? You've seen good things happen. What does that look like for someone to actually go, you know what? What got me here won't get me there. And I'm going to need to shift, you know, some of the things I do, some of the ways I do things, some of my thinking. Just talk to us a bit about that. Yeah, that's actually been a, quite a major thing for me. Uh, you know, I've been in ministry for over 25 years. Right. I've... Uh, always been interested in learning and tweaking and, yeah. you know, kind of trying new things. But I think the big thing that the revitalization has done for me is open my eyes to a, to looking at myself in the mirror through a whole new set of lenses. Huh. And it's, it's helped me to step outside of my paradigm through which I filtered everything that I was learning up until that point and look at it through new lenses. And that has been extremely healthy, somewhat uncomfortable, I'll be honest with you yeah. for sure, but very, very positive, I think, from a growth standpoint. Right. Now, I'll be honest with you, I was starting to get to the point where I was feeling like I could see home home base and you know that sense that okay if I can just keep tweaking and and adjusting a little bit for the next 10 15 years I'll make it yeah. and we'll be fine. And the revitalization process really kind of upset the apple cart on that thinking where it was like Dallas, you need to stop and just rethink from a completely different vantage point what you're doing and don't just slide into home base for the next 10 years. You need to actually make the next 10 or 15 years the best years of your whole ministry life. <laughs> and and it really challenged me to rethink a lot of my assumptions and basic presuppositions and cause me to go, okay, we're not going to just tweak here a little bit like we have. We're going to be we're going to be willing to put everything on the table yeah. and look at it from a whole new vantage point if necessary and then recalibrate everything to uh to come up to speed with a whole new culture that's coming, coming into our 
well, coming surrounding us and hopefully will be coming into our churches that we otherwise will miss. Yeah. And, you know, when I came to White Court 16 years ago, I was a young family man. Our kids were young. We connected with young families fairly well. I'm not a young family man now. All right. of our kids are grown. So I have to be way more intentional now if I'm going to reach the young families that dominate the culture of White Court yeah. than what I had to be 16 years ago. So I can't just tweak a little bit. I have to come at it from different angles than where I used to. And that that is very healthy. And I think that... You know, once the dust settles on all these changes, I think we will come out of this way healthier and way more vibrant as a church and certainly me as a leader than what I what I was a year or two ago. Well, yeah, and you got to look at the fruit. You know, mm -hmm. we're with these, and these are souls, right? These 40 yeah. people you're saying have come to Christ in the last year. Mm -hmm. Okay, that, that's souls. Those are, those are lives, those are eternities that exactly. have been changed. I mean, so I just kind of think like, if you hadn't made those changes, right? Mm, exactly. What, would we have seen that fruit? And yeah. I, personally, I don't think you. I don't. Think, I don't think you would have. No. No. So I'm. I mean, I'm. You know, I'm thankful that you went through, even if it was tough, that you decided no for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the calling. I'm going to do what I need to do. Yeah, I mean, it's been one of the best things I could have ever done. There's no question about that. Wow. It stretched me beyond anything I expected it would but it's definitely been very, very good. Wow. So what about the other leaders who are listening today? What kinds of shifts do they need to make or be willing to make to go to the next level in their leadership? Well, I mean, I can't speak for everybody because I don't know everybody's situation, but if they're at, at all like me, I think... The beginning of it has to be a willingness to look at yourself in the mirror through news lenses and be honest with yourself about where, where you've maybe become comfortable or become a little stagnant or maybe even just could, could use some insight into potential blind spots that have been there that have just never really been addressed right. and then invite invite the people into your life that can help you address those things don't be scared yeah. don't be scared like the bible says over and over again fear not yeah. and i mean i saw myself as a pretty brave courageous kind of leader but it it's easy to be brave when you're sitting in an armchair critiquing others and you're just staying in your own comfort zone. But when you actually bring somebody into your church, they take a hard, honest, objective look at what things are going on in your church and then start talking to you about, about it, that's when you see how really courageous you are. Sure, yeah. And, you know, being put in a position where you're facing your fears head on is not easy, but definitely very, very healthy. Yeah. And so, I, I mean, I would say to fellow leaders, don't be scared. Let God uh, deal, deal with those areas of your heart that, that harbor fear. And let's face it, you know, the Bible says... The righteous are bold as a lion. That's in us. 
Right. Every yeah. one of us, that boldness is in us if we will just let it, let God bring it to the surface. And I think that courageous leadership is what it's going to take to move our churches forward. And and God will will help us with that. Amen. There's, you know, the truth is there's part of me that's more scared now than I've ever been. I think that's part of that is just I'm more self-aware now than I've ever been. Right. But there's also a sense of real courage that's bigger now than has ever been before in yeah. me as well. And that's all due to God. Wow. The truth is I probably did feel a bit stuck myself back when I first um, looked at the idea of revitalization and that was one of the things that made it appealing to me. The honest truth is I, I did not anticipate the level at which it would get me unstuck. Like it really helped to address things that I had become completely blinded to. You know, familiarity can easily lead to blindness. And, you know, it's like the spot on the carpet at home. Right. You know, you get so used to it, you don't even notice it anymore. And it's the same thing with things within our church. You know, you bring a fresh set of eyes in. They don't have to be experts to see there's a problem here. Um, now, our, our revitalization people are experts, but you don't have to do that. And that's the thing. The new people that come off the street, they see it. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But if we are so familiar with it, we don't see it, and then it, it, it just perpetuates, and we don't get where God wants to take us. And so I think one of the big things that the revitalization pointed out was our obligation to break down barriers for those that are hungry for God that want in. And I didn't realize how many barriers we were inadvertently putting up. And we didn't intend to do it. We weren't, you know, we weren't trying to be difficult. It just happens. And, you know, in the busyness of the fray of life, you, you end up doing stuff you never intended to do. And then it goes from there, one thing to the next, and you never get back to fixing it or whatever. And, and uh, you know, that, that scripture in Acts chapter 15, where James says, you know, in my judgment, we need to make it as easy as possible for these Gentiles who are coming to Christ. Right. That has become like a, a, a burning fire in my soul. You know, let's do absolutely everything we can think of to make it as easy as possible for these people that are hungry for God to find him Amen. in our church. And, and I, and I want to I wanna get the help I can from every direction I possibly can to break down those barriers. So listening to the lost themselves, having personal conversations, listening to experts, listening to coaches, listening to authors, you know, right. there's a lot of different resources on how to break down these barriers yeah. if we're just willing to listen and willing to take those lenses that color everything off and look at it through fresh eyes. So if you're feeling stuck, there is hope. 
you know, I think that we can get unstuck. Yeah. It's not impossible at all. We just need some fresh input from the people that God wants to bring into our lives. And, you know, I mean, I just love the direction we're going as a district that way because I feel like we really are bringing fresh insight into these very important issues into every individual pastor's life and individual church that really wants to, and that opens the door for that. Well, thank you so much, Dallas, and thank you folks for joining us. As always, please share this with your team, and let's get that conversation going on shifting in our leadership and getting unstuck. We want to see every church in our district reaching more people. So until next time.